0: listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Welcome to those of you guys that are joining us online. I'm so glad that you would choose uh, to join us out of all of your options, and this is your church family, so welcome. Glad that you're here. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant at this church, and it is a privilege to be uh, in ministry. It's a privilege to be able to share God's word and just uh, share his love around uh, around our community and just try and walk it out, and so I'm honored uh, to be able to be here again this week uh, serving the church with you guys. Uh, a couple things, so we're going to talk about the essentials, uh, and we're still going through our sermon series. Two weeks ago, we talked about that the Bible's pretty essential, that it's a good book, that it's a verified book, that it's a, the most inspected book, like that is something that you can trust, and I challenged all of you guys to uh, a couple things. I challenged you to read the Brad Gray number one mistake people uh, make when they read the Bible. Who's read that? Thank you for accepting the challenge, ma'am. Okay. Well, good news. It's still there online, uh, and you can do that. And I also challenge you guys to start working your way through the Bible Project videos about what, uh, like what, what is the Bible. How do I read it? Who started working their way through the Bible Project videos, the ones that I put in the link there? All right. We're making traction. So now I'm re-challenging everyone again. Right, I got to go through four or five of them while I was on a treadmill over at uh, the gym that I work out at now. Since I've gone four or five times this week, um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Sweat a lot. i assure people are like I do not want to use that machine after Josh is done with it. That is gross. Um, wiping it down, taking sanitary. Um, so I got to go through four of those videos while I was there, just getting my stairmaster on, doing my thing. Right. So I'm challenging you guys again. It's important. We're here to equip the saints. You are the saints. If you don't take the equipping, it's hard to equip, right? So please take the time and investigate those things. uh, Then we talked about salvation last week, which I love the message. I love what was shared uh, up here and how uh, it's not a get out of hell free card that we are saved for something, to something, for a purpose, right? And so they're equally as important being saved from hell, and being saved for his kingdom and for his purpose. And so I love that message. And this week we're going to talk about the essentials of with baptism. And so baptism is kind of a Jesus Christian-y thing that we see and you'll be talked about. There's entire denominations named after how to do this correctly called the Baptist, right? Um, and so uh, as we, we dive in, I want to tell you a couple quick stories about Baptism. Uh, we're part of a network of church called the Relational Discipleship Network, and we have churches. Where there's like 35 to 50 churches that are committed to being disciple-making churches, and, and that's their goal. Their goal is, yes, converts are good, and we want to take those converts and make them actual disciples. And one of our churches is in called Awaken. Shout out to Awaken because I'm sure they watch this. Um, and they're an awesome church in South Carolina, and um, Charleston, South Carolina, and they had a jail ministry, uh, and I was hearing this story at one of our conferences. They have a jail ministry where they go down and work with folks in jail, and this one guy who had spent some time in jail himself was the leader leader of the jail ministry, uh, and you could tell him, so he went down there, and he's fired up, Christian, excited. He went down there, and he helped. He shared the gospel to a guy in jail who was uh, in jail awaiting his uh, trial uh, for, it might have been attempted murder or murder. I can't remember which one it was. And this guy chose to accept the Lord. Which, praise God, right? So there's good news. There's good news that even though you may die a death here on this earth, the good news, the euangelion, the good news is that if you choose to accept Jesus Christ, you're going to live uh, forever in eternity with the creator of all the things you see that are so beautiful. Amen? And so uh, somehow he got out on house arrest I don't know how that works. I don't know the legal system, but he had an ankle bracelet on. And so he accepted the Lord, and they were trying to figure out how to baptize him. And these guys are just, this is the zealousness, the passion that churches should have about baptism and making sure people are following through, because we are commanded to be baptized. We'll talk about that more. So they went to the church. I don't know if they stole or borrowed Jail ministry again. I don't know if they stole the it, but think about like the size of the baptismal thing we have in that back right corner over there. It's pretty large, and theirs is pretty large too, I'm sure. So they went and borrowed the baptistry from this church and took it to this guy's house where he was on house arrest. And they filled up, filled it up in the front yard... And I think they baptized, him. I'm not sure if they baptized his ankle bracelet or not. If you can submerge those, I don't know if anybody has any information on that. Um, so his, his ankle might not be saved, but the rest, no. Uh, they immer- they, they're so passionate about following through on what God has commanded them to do, that they're going to take the baptistry and take it to somebody's house and baptize them. Now, just in case somebody's curious, you can use a hot tub, you can use a bathtub, You don't have to steal our baptistry, but that would be a great reason to steal the baptistry if you're going to go baptize somebody. So let us know. Um, So the passion that we should have as Christ followers to be obedient in the things that are very visual, like baptism. And I love talking about a church like that. Another story I wanted to share with you that that I heard is uh, this guy was talking to this person. There was a little bit of a language barrier there. And he was talking to him and was working with him and shared with him the gospel message, which is the good news. And what's the good news? You get to live in eternity with your Father in heaven. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, you too are going to live in eternity with your Father in heaven. So share the good news. And this guy, was he came to the Lord. He's like, yes, yes, I want to do that. Remember, a language barrier. And guess what the guy said we need to do next? The sermon, today's sermon's about? Yeah, we gotta get you baptized. And so he's following up with this guy, and this guy's like, I'm praying about that right now. I'm really praying about it. And he's like, keep following up with him, following up with him, following up with him. And three months later, the guy's like... I'm ready to be baptized. And he's like, okay, great. Well, you know, like, like, why, why did it take you so long? Why did it take you three months to get baptized? And he says, well, I have some questions for you. I have a question for you. And the guy's like, shoot, I'm ready to go. He said, does it hurt well, like, what do you mean? No. Does it hurt when you baptize me and I die? He thought, it took him three months because he had to figure out if he was willing to die. He thought Romans 6, 4 was like, I'm going to die in the in the baptismal and got to the point in his life where he was like, yeah, but I just want to know if it hurts when I die. Now there is a committed follower of Christ. Amen? So we should be excited and passionate about helping people hear the good news of Jesus Christ and we should be excited and passionate about helping them put a spiritual marker in the ground and get baptized And it should be a pretty serious decision, amen? He was willing to die to obey Jesus. Now, the roots of baptism go back a long ways, like long, like more than 2,000 years. And it started with our Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, they kind of started this idea. But even farther back than that, when in Genesis 1, where there's this separation, this expanse, this new birth of this new creation that's happening, he needed to expand the, put the water down here and put the sky up here and create this thing called land and this idea of a new birth, of something new being birthed. And we see this new birth idea in Genesis 1. And there's all of these water imageries as you go through the text and you look along. And in Exodus, you hear about the Exodus and the parting of the Red Sea and this new birth that's going to happen as we get away from what was. We are birthed out of slavery into freedom. This new birth. And then in Joshua, talking about crossing the Jordan River to the Promised Land, we're going to get there. This, this new place. And you see this theme in the, in the text over and over and over and over again. Now, this idea of becoming new, becoming clean, becoming pure uh, has has Jewish roots. Let's take a look at a mikvah here. This is a a mikvah. Say mikvah. Mikvah. This is a mikvah in Israel. Mikvahs were so, so important because what you would do is you would go down and you would get spiritually cleansed by going into a mikvah. It had to have live, like, real water flowing into it, and it was gross and nasty. Just let me tell you that up front. It wasn't for hygiene purposes that you would go into this thing and get cleaned up. They would change the water out of a mikveh when a stick would stand up straight in it. Our baptismal is way cleaner than that, just so you know. And so what the idea was is that I need to become pure in spirit when I go uh, interact with God. Because remember, God's in a place, right? God's, God's in a tabernacle. He's in a temple. He's somewhere else because Jesus has yet to come here and make the temple dwell within us called the Holy Spirit, right? And so we got to get cleaned up and we're going to go into this mikveh. Let's see another mikveh, One more picture. Walking down into this place to get spiritually cleaned up. You want to, get, you want to have this, this new birth. You want to be pure as you approach. So this ritual immersion idea happened long before Jesus was baptized. You would immerse yourself for spiritual purity. You would do so so you could be in the presence of God. At some level, and it's, as I did research on this, I'm like, man, we just like to fight. Christians just like to fight about what's right and wrong and the right and wrong way to do it and who did it the right and wrong way of baptism sprinkled and immersed and all of these other things. At the end of the day, we are all practicing an adaptation of baptizing from Jewish roots. Here's the good news. In the earlier centuries, they would baptize people in the nude. Uh, We don't do that here. Tonight, you're actually going to have like a black T-shirt on. It's even better, right? So, so we've moved on. We've, we, we, have, we have this tradition, this, this history of baptism and thinking about what does it does. But, it, but Jesus being Jewish, he would have understood mikvah and he would have participated in those things. So when you think about baptism, here's a couple points I want you to, to think about. There's another one more picture. This is a picture from Turkey uh, that Adam got on his Samsung phone because his picture was apparently better than mine. Um, and this was in, I think, a fourth century. This is in Laodicea, if I remember right, where you'd walk down these steps, and it's probably like, it's pretty deep in there, which would lend us to immersion baptism. But this is a fourth century uh, um, baptismal in a church in Laodicea, if I remember right, from the tiles and the pictures and all those things. So baptism's been around a long time. Jesus himself was baptized. Paul was baptized. So first, a couple things I want you to know about baptism Number one, it's God's idea. It's not, it's not our church's idea or certain things. This is God's idea. Second thing I want you to know about baptism, baptism doesn't save you. Getting wet in a tank does not save you. It's not something we need to hold over somebody's head for a salvation issue, in my opinion. It doesn't save you. You are, you are saved when you confess with your mouth and repent and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Out of that act of salvation, when you, when you believe it in your heart, out of that act, you want to be obedient. And one of the things that we're asked to do and we're commanded to do by Jesus himself is to go and make disciples and to baptize them. Why would we baptize somebody? What does that mean? What do we need to do that for? Why? How can we need to get somebody wet? What happens to them in the water? Let me tell you this, first of all. I was watching that video, and I didn't know if Logan had that guy hooked by the nose or what? So let me, correct, let me correct something right away for tonight's baptisms, because we have a number of baptisms tonight. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three things, right? But one, one dunk under the water, because that's the way we do it. And you're going to go like this, and you're going to plug your own nose, and we're going to grab you right here. Unless you want somebody to hook you from underneath the nose to get it just deep in there. I'll correct that. I'll correct that with Logan. I can talk about him. He's not here today. So... Baptism is God's idea. It doesn't save you. It's an act of you honoring your decision for salvation. We see it in the text. They believed, and they were baptized. They believed, and they were baptized. It identifies us as Christ followers. It identifies us as Christ followers. It identifies us as a community of people. And when you make that decision, and you make it in public in front of a community of people... You've made a commitment that's, that, that, you, that you're externally sharing. You're putting a spiritual marker in the ground that I said this in front of all these people that I was going to follow Jesus. So tonight when people get baptized, I'm going to say, are you in here of your own free will? No, my mom made me. Then get out. You got to choose. You choose whether you're going to follow Jesus. I can't make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. God doesn't want forced love and to force you to love him. He wants you to want to. He wants, you, he wants you to want to be obedient. So I ask that question, are you here of your own free will? Next question I ask, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Did he die on a cross, was, bare, was, was put in a tomb for three days, and they came back and they couldn't find him? And he was risen do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Okay, great. So, And are you going to try and follow him the best that you can for the rest of your life and just be perfect and never make another mistake? No, I don't say that. Are you going to try and follow him the rest of your life? Well, yes, I am. Well, cool. Well, because of your confession of faith, we are now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the Trinity in two weeks. It'll be great. We're going to baptize you in that, and we're going, to, we're going to do that. Now, here's the cool part with community, why, why it's a community thing. It's because you all have a part in it. If you're here tonight and somebody gets baptized, you have a part. You witnessed what they said and what they did. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. So I got saved in 1994, did we say, or five? Four? Five. Four or five. At an Amway conference, and it was Awesome. I didn't even know. I was like, the secret's on Sunday. And I'm like, sweet, I'm going to be rich. Oh, the secret is, I want to introduce you to your Savior, said the guy with the giant diamond rings and preaching up there, who wasn't a pastor, who hundreds of people went and accepted the Lord that day. I was like, my 150 bucks is worth it. And then three months later, I was in a hot tub in Portland, Oregon, and the guy's like, oh, you accept the Lord? Did you go get baptized? Did you? I'm like, no, I'm new to this thing. I was kind of sprink- I was sprinkled in a Catholic church, but they're like, oh, well, you gotta be baptized by immersion, or It doesn't count, is what they told me. I don't know if that's true or not, but whatever. I was like, okay, cool, I'm in. And so my, my three brothers baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in a hot tub in a hotel in Portland, Oregon. Right? So fast forward eight years later. Eight years later, I have a great gambling addiction. I'm stealing money from my family in a sense that I'm lying to my wife, telling her what I'm really doing with the money. And I get to a point so broken in 2005, because I'm going to be the next Texas Hold'em champion. If you want to play poker with somebody, I'm your guy. <gasps> so good. Two aces. Whew. But here's what happened so I was a fraud and a liar. I was still a Christian, I had been baptized, I had been saved, but I was being a a, a fraud and a liar. Who do you think came around me and my family and helped us put our lives back together financially and with accountability? Do you think it could have been two of those three guys in that hot tub that baptized me? Because they knew the commitment that I had made. And that's part of community and baptism. Is when you make a commitment and you make a public commitment, you have community. And community holds you to that commitment even when it's uncomfortable for community. Amen? Amen. It wasn't even in my notes. How did we get there? Thank you, Jesus. So we see baptism, you can view it in different ways. It can be sacramental or symbolic. So we, when we take communion every week, we do it as a symbol. Anytime we get together, we, we take, we're taking communion as Jesus commanded us to do. And in our church, we would view baptism as a symbol, as a spiritual marker in your life that you chose to tell everyone that you were going to follow Jesus, that you'd already made a decision and you want everybody to know because you want help making sure that you stay following Jesus. Amen. The Greek word baptizo, it means to be immersed. It means to be buried in, to be sunken as a ship, to dip or to be put under. So we baptize by immersion here. You will be dipped under, hopefully not by your nose. The Bible does speak of a spiritual baptism, and that's God's part. Our part is a physical baptism in water by immersion. Scripture gives us a picture of baptism Mark 1, 9 and 10. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when Jesus came up out of the water, which probably means he was under it, he saw the heaven split open and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, I cannot promise that that's going to happen to you tonight when you get baptized. But what I can promise is you will have a community around you to help you hold yourself accountable to the decision that you made to follow Jesus passionately. Because we're committed to that. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. What does repent mean again? It means to turn away from what you were doing, turn back, come back to the right way, come back to the right path because you probably were on the wrong path. And even if you were living a good life, you might be self-serving and serving yourself and doing the right things and helping other folks, but you're still on the wrong path if you're not on the path of Jesus Christ. Amen? You kind of have to say amen when the pastor says amen. It's like yeah, yeah. We agree you should be on the path with Jesus. Amen. Right? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Whose name? Jesus Christ. That's who we baptize people in, in, in his name for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what happened to this chase the Lord and the building and the temple and the tabernacle and all of these things? Like, why do we do, get to do this baptism and like God is now, that's right. When Jesus left earth, he said, hey, I've got good news for you. I'm going to leave with you a wise counselor called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells where? Inside you. God is within you. And yes, he helps us. The Holy Spirit is a great convictor of sin, is he not? Does anybody ever think about that? You're like getting ready to. Uh, we had this discussion in our life group this week. It was awesome. it's like, yeah, I go to bed, and you're like, I don't know if he was taught that he was. If he wasn't, sa- if he didn't confess all of his sins, then he's not saved. And he's like, so every night you make. A- but yeah, you should. You should make a practice of making amends and making things right. How'd your week go this week? How, was, I, was I honorable? Did I do things with integrity? Did I do things with love? Who did I serve? Who did I move? Did I, did I move the kingdom forward this week doing my part? You should ask yourself that question. Well, who should be baptized? Those who believe and have repented. Mark 16 said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the on The good news. We got some good news. To all creation, whoever believes in him and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Who should be baptized? People that believe and repent. Not just know about God, but are choosing to follow him. So when should you get baptized? Only when real life has a worship night uh, and the baptismal set up is the only time you could ever get baptized. False. That's what I hate about our worship nights. Not our worship night, but our baptism services. I want to hear about you guys. And by the way, who can baptize? Anyone Anyone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it's following, and hopefully, you're following in the best way you can. You should be involved in baptism. You, bam, by the power invested in me, by nobody, you are commissioned to go baptize people. But be serious about it. If you baptize somebody, you should be pretty serious about it. You're taking a responsibility, your hand is with them. You should be pretty serious about helping them become a disciple because we're not just called to make converts, are we? Go out into all the world. That's what churches love to celebrate. I was just at a conference, not a conference, a relaxing, awesome, wonderful time with 542 other pastors. And they have all these great discussions and there's cool things going on. And it's like, we baptized this many people. Cool, how many disciples did you make? <laughs> Baptism's awesome. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. But we're called to make disciples. So you should get baptized right away. Acts uh, 2.41, those who accepted that his message were baptized, about 3,000 were added to that number daily. So if we got 3,000 baptisms tonight, it's going to be awesome. You might be late for work tomorrow. <laughs> but I would take it. You should all take a sick day if we were just baptizing people by the thousands here. And we would have a lot of responsibility to do, would we not? Yes. Acts 16, they talk about, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And at that word uh, of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Immediately. You don't have to wait for baptism night at real life. They can be in a hot tub in Portland, Oregon. They can be in the bathtub in your house. I think we could submerge you underneath there. Might get a little wet in your bathroom. But you don't have to wait. Why Why give the devil a chance to get a foothold and start questioning you about your decision or to proclaim it? So now it happens, I've been baptized, I have this new, new life. What does this mean now? Like, What's special that's happened since I'm baptized? Well, it's special as you have a bunch of people holding you accountable to the decision that you're, you, you publicly said you made. Romans 6, 3, 5 says, uh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You should start having changes in your life after you've accepted Jesus and you've been obedient to be baptized. That doesn't mean that you won't crawl back to your old ways, but you have people that are going to help you crawl over to your new ways, to your new life. There should be evidence of change in somebody that's a Christian. And how we treat people, how we love people, how, how generous we are, how we see the world, it should be different. Because our God was quite different than the other gods that are worshiped. I walked past some awesome ladies doing a Bible study this week and they were studying different faiths and all those things and we had this discussion and was out here in the church or the, the mall thing. And I was like, Have you ever noticed that a lot of these other big giant religions, that the founder of those religions gained something? What did Jesus gain for founding Christianity? Death on a cross. Start thinking of the other faiths that that you may have heard of or know about, and you you hear about people being poisoned by their wives. What did they gain? They gained women. They gained money. They gained power. They gained all these other things. It was for their benefit. Their faith was founded for their benefit, not for the benefit of all. This faith is founded for the benefit of all through death on a cross. So that we too may live a new life, it says. For if we have been uh, united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen? Amen. This world is not the end of it. This world's awesome. And we have lots of work to do because we are saved for a purpose. And you need to go out doing the work that God has assigned you to do. Committed. And finally, you know, why should we be baptized? Because Jesus told us to be baptized. It's in the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Well, they were listening to him. That's good. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, Hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. It is essential that you follow what Jesus is asking you to do. As a Christ follower, it is essential it is essential to have a foundation in the text that you're building. I was struck this week as I was sitting there preparing for my message. I have my Bible here and then my stack of books that I'm supposed to read because I get, keeps growing. And I had this stack of books. I'm not, I'm not even joking to you. You, you go look at my office. There was a stack of books about this high. You know what those books were about? This book. Those books were awesome, and they're man's interpretation or woman's interpretation of this book. Am I spending more time? Do you spend more time over here in reading books about the Bible than you do God's Word? Because it's essential that you understand God's, God's Word. And He given you a mind powerful enough to understand His Word. Amen? It's not going to get boring to you, it's essential. It's essential that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's kind of like like life essential. It's essential that when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you start following Jesus in a mighty mighty way and overcoming fears. Oh, I said mighty mighty. Darn it. I'm trying to go through a whole sermon without saying mighty mighty. <sighs> it's essential that you obey Jesus in the little things and the big things to the point where the guy thought he was going to, does it hurt? Does getting baptized hurt? Because I'm willing to die physically to follow him. There's things God's going to ask you to do that might hurt. But it won't hurt forever. There's changes that he would put into your heart. It's essential to know God's word. It's essential to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's essential to do what he says to do, which one of those things is baptism. I want you guys to think about this in your own world. Tonight could be your night. You don't need to wait, you don't need to wait a second. We'd go do it right now. I would find a place. But if you want to come back tonight and you want to be baptized in the family and you want to have accountability all around you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you've been, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, some people need to rededicate. Some people didn't maybe take it serious and it was, you know, it was an excited, emotional decision, but they don't have people following with them. We're going to follow with you. And so if tonight is your night, we invite you to come back. We invite you to come back and get baptized and get on the train of discipleship because we're not going to be known by just the number of people that we baptize. We want to be known by how we're actually equipping the saints for the work of the kingdom because that is the long-term power. Amen? Amen? It's not bad. It's a both and. So, when you think about baptism, it's a spiritual marker. We immerse you. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's welcoming you into this kingdom. Your life group's around. We'll have entire life groups up here with their hands in, baptizing people. Uh, it's not just the pastor's job. If you know that person that's getting baptized and you're going to be holding them accountable to their commitment, you should be around the baptismal tonight. Amen? And if you saw them in a bar, drunk, stumbling out of a bar, and you're, for some reason, why would you see them? But anyway... Um, if you, if, you, if you saw them and they were acting a fool, you know what you should do? You go get them. My guys went and got me. I would not be here today had they not gotten me. And there's guys that are in this room that wouldn't be here today. And ladies, if somebody hadn't gotten you. And so we're going we're to be a church that goes and gets people and we help them. We're going to be obedient because it's essential to be a Christ follower. So let's do something else that's essential. Let's do communion here today. Amen? Are you guys in agreement? Okay. So everybody pull out your communion. If you are new with us and you're like, wow, weird. Uh, anyway, uh, we have these communion things. And uh, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to, do, we want to, to, to invite you to take communion with us. We want to remember what Jesus did on the cross often. And so, as often as we get together, we do it, and we get together once a week. So, uh, we have, if you need communion right here, it's one of our guys. Anybody else need communion? Okay. All right, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke, and he said, this is my body. Can you picture Jesus looking at you right now? We're all having communion with him. We're all having supper with him. He looks deep into your eyes, and he says, this is my body. This is my body. It's for you. I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember when you chose to follow me. I want you to remember the the decisions that you're making. So when you do this, do this in remembrance of him. Let's remember our commitment to Jesus. In the same way, he took the uh, cup after and saying, "This this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, comma, do this. Whenever you drink of it, remember the commitment that you made. For whenever you uh, eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's proclaim it. Lord, I believe tonight is going to be a harvest. I feel, Father God, that you are, it's going to be a harvest tonight. That you are moving in people's hearts and minds right now that they are not going to miss tonight. They are going to be here at 6.30 for a purpose. And that first purpose is to worship you passionately. To call out your name above any other name. That we get together as community. And we praise you and we love you and we seek you. And we seek to be obedient to you. Father God, we're coming to seek you tonight. I, I believe, Lord, that you have people lined up who are going to make that public decision tonight who want people around them to call them into to relationship with you as they stray or if they stray or when they stray. The communities are going to be baptizing people tonight, not just a person or a pastor, but a community is baptizing someone bold enough to make that decision. Lord, being baptized is a life and death decision for people. Literally and figuratively in today. There, there are people who get baptized and get murdered because they accepted you. And I think of that homecoming when you're welcoming them physically home. Lord, help us to, 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 to want to follow the Great Commission. Not to just be knowing about you, but to be for you and for your purposes, and for your plans. So Father God, I ask for a great harvest tonight. Not a harvest so a church can celebrate, but a harvest so you can celebrate, Father. That your kingdom and your will would be done today as it is in heaven. So we ask for an anointing on that tonight, and I ask for your hand upon every person here. I say this in your powerful name. Amen.